0: So we're sitting uh, at the City Hall uh, backstage with Greg from Cats in Space and, and everybody, the first question has to be <laughs> January the 1st 2017, did oh. you expect what you've now done up into December the 7th 2017, mm-hmm. did you expect to have three? Now, I was, I was
1: expecting you to, to ask me where the name came from. Oh, right, no, honest, no, 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 that, That's normally the go-to first question. Nope. So I'll, thank you for that. <laughs> so I'm bored of doing that one. And I knew I would get bored. Um, January the 1st, January the 1st this year, I was mixing the Scarecrow album, which should have been mixed by Christmas. Mm-hmm. And because it was such a monolithic, kind of overrun slightly, so we was kind of planning on a few things. We knew, to be totally honest, we knew that the Thunder Tour was going to be likely but we also knew we had a very good shot of getting the deep purple tour but we were sworn to secrecy right and obviously we didn't you can only let so much information out so when the thunder tour got announced that sort of put paid to any other things being considered so but no if you'd have asked me last christmas what we'd be doing in a year's time no I i wouldn't have said we'd have done three major uk tours with three of the biggest bands ever and and gone down as well as we've gone down, and Scarecrow going down as well as it's gone down as well, because that's really going well. So. Yeah. No, we, but we expect the unexpected in Cats and Space. Nobody expects the unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> unexpected. If you did, it wouldn't be unexpected. Well, there you go. We expect yeah. the expected. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I mean, the, the three tours, obviously you had the Thunder Tour, the Deep Purple Tour, and now you're on the, the Quote Tour. Have you had to change things... Um, because of the different venues, you know, if it's an arena tour or whatever, do you have to change what you pick for your set? Or have you just thought, they're the songs we want to get out to the public? Um,
1: but there's go-to songs that we have to do, obviously, even in our early stages that we're at. Mm-hmm. We've still got go we've got Too Many Gods, Greatest Story Never Told is the big centrepiece, and Five minutes Celebrity is the big rock kind of anthem yeah. finale. So they're the go-to songs. It depends on the set length, and obviously with Thunder we did... 40 minutes and at that time we weren't pushing Scarecrow but we were given a little teaser away by doing Mad Hatter mm-hmm. so we were still doing all the first album stuff like Last Man Standing and Vegas and that but we put Mad Hatter in which no one had heard and it went down a storm And people were going what's that new song called Everyone's at the Party it's like, so we knew that we thought wait till you win the album and then we also gave Time Bomb away on a a, a free sampler CD thing uh-huh. So we we sneaked it out and we knew that it was going to be good. So that was cool. The Deep Purple was only half hour because obviously Europe went on. So we had to, by now we're trying to think we've got to promote both albums now. And we had to do the go-to songs. Mm-hmm. So we managed to do um, Mad Hatter and Time Bomb we put in. We literally had five songs because Greatest Story is eight minutes long. And then obviously with Quo, we're back to 40 minutes. So we decided to put... Uh, scars right. in because we know scars is the big ballads and right. it's that's been that's the tour song that's been going down brilliant right. so it's been we've got like a, a skeleton of the same set and we just block it in depending right. and um so far it's worked really well
0: i just to if because of the like you know sometimes with arenas you have to think well that's not going to work very well in such a big
1: yeah i mean yeah we do agonize because obviously some of the stuff is very subtle but live, as people have found out, we are we treat it very separately. We, we're a rock band live, a bit like Queen were. Mm. They go and rack out the songs live. And then mm. on the album, it was all finesse and beautifully produced. And I like that two-pronged thing where you give people one element and then live, you give them another. So you give more bang for your buck rather than trying to reproduce the album exactly live, which people end up thinking was. You know, it's like the record, which mm. we, ne- we never wanted to do right. that. So we just... Take the big bits and the best bits. So some of the songs are tricky, but saying that, as we've been told, these aren't my words. People have said the material is so strong, anything works. I mean, we uh, could, we could have gone out with Deep Purple and done Man in the Moon with an aco- yeah. with acoustic guitars, and it would it would have worked because the song a, a good song should carry across anywhere. With an acoustic and guitar. And if you're, and you're hiding voice. behind an arena, wall of yeah reverb, yeah. then you're hiding something. Yeah. You know, whereas us, we'll we'll sing a song with one guitar and we know the song will work because we've got total belief in the music and that's how the songs are written don't forget so when me and mick wilson my writing partner set down to write the stuff we will write it on acoustic guitars right. or a piano and an acoustic we don't just get loads of loops and stuff going and start whacking out big noise and then think oh there's a song in there something yeah we go from the organic path up so we know that as we layer it up, which we do with an alarming amount of layering, <laughs> you know, it's like, the, there's the kind of outside shed, and then it into <laughs> a but the outside shed's cool, you know, yeah, so yeah. that's, so we've, we've got a lot of confidence, and of course, we've also got Paul Manzi, Jeff Brown, two incredible lead singers, I mean, Jeff's yes. a lead singer, you know, he's, yeah. so he's so super strong, and with my vocals, and, you know, everyone, and Dean now sings as well, so we've got, a lot of stuff covered so we're pretty cool on anything really
0: do you have to work on the the backing vocals to get them to blend (laughs) because some people's voices just don't it's like no your
1: voice is too harsh or christy um yes we do we are we are quite picky with how we do it because obviously in the studio there's so many vocals i mean i'm talking loads yeah you know tens and twenties and thirties yeah yeah and then Mick Wilson also sings backing vocals on the album as well. So we've got four voices that make the cat sound, like the Beach Boys type thing. Mm-hmm. So we have to pick the meat out of those harmonies and reproduce them live as best we can. But as I've said before, there was this weird thing happened on, and I know it sounds corny and people go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I swear it's true. The first day we actually rehearsed together, because we never played on the first album together because it was a studio thing. Yeah. Then we did three videos and we mimed the videos. And then one day we set the gear up and said, we ought to see if we can ever go at some <laughs> of these songs. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. But the minute we, I think it was too many gods we did first. Sorry. And the minute we played, we just said, let's just do it. Paul, just sing. I'm just going to scream. Jeff, just, just do whatever. Yeah let's see if we can get to the end of the song and see what racket we make uh-huh. and we literally sat on the three part harmony without even rehearsing right. it because Jeff what? naturally went there and I thought well I'm just going to go for the silly high one Paul does the big root right. and the the way the band sounded and I mean right from the very very first three minutes of us playing together we went Jesus That's Christ strange. did we just do that yes. and you don't get that in music very often No. I've been in loads and loads of bands that you have to work very hard at getting the stuff right and i know this might piss people off but we literally just have this weird connection the six of us and stevie and stevie bacon he's very meticulous on the drums he he leaves no stone unturned so he is the absolute bedrock so i know that he's going to be perfection which he is yeah and we just play on top of that and we just make this noise together and when I got the co producer, Ian Capel, came in because we rehearsed in the studio in the rehearsal part. And he said, oh, Can I come up and listen? I said, Yeah, we'll get up at the end of the day and let, let, listen to him. And he just sat there with his jaw like going, oh, Christ! <laughs> he, he went, That's the first time you play. I said, Today right. is the first day we've rehearsed. Right. Right? And he went, how good are you not going to be? We went, oh no, a bit scary. So we knew we had a good band and yeah. that gave us confidence and you've got to have confidence, not arrogance, confidence. Uh-huh. There is a difference. And we just had this unbridled confidence thinking, let's go out and do it. So we did the first gig at the Half Moon in Putney not knowing how people would react to what we felt mm-hmm. we was going to do. And it was just one of those moments when we went, Christ. Right. They went nuts. They were right. absolutely nuts. And Danny was there, Danny Bowes and a few other people yeah and he said to me afterwards he went everybody was waiting for the first chorus they, oh yeah they right. kicked off yeah. it all and powerful lovely yeah. lovely said everyone in that building was going come on in sing, yeah, those, sing the... those vocals yeah let's hear that chorus yeah. and everyone went wow. Wow. wow you did it yeah everyone's shoulders sort of went down to so say like, right we can relax now and he said it was a moment it was like one of them things we thought shit they can do this yeah so that was it great yeah.
0: and i mean you didn't sit in laurel, was he? They did because you went straight to the o2 and then rambling man and
1: We ain't got time. (laughs) (laughs) We're old, mate. We ain't got time to do 10 years in a van. We've got got about 12 months.
0: You've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. We've all done an awful lot of road work. I
1: mean, someone in Classic Rock said we've done 200 years between us, which unfortunately might be true. (laughs) But we've all done an awful lot of stuff. So we're we're seasoned players. I I don't even know how many gigs I've done. It's a ridiculous amount. And Jeff's done probably five times more than me. And I've done... Thousands yeah. of geeks. I mean we're yeah. in the thousands not hundreds. So we're all very battle-scarred road-weary warriors uh-huh. But the minute we played Cats in Space together, we saw how important it was and we thought we just got We've got to crack on, you know, so okay. so we are cracking on with it
0: Excellent and did the writing for Scarecrow did you change anything about how you wrote stuff from Too Many Gods to Scarecrow? No, or do you just...
1: not really. I mean we had the theme, we had the idea and the concept when we first started, and we knew, well, I mean, myself and Mick knew what we wanted to do just for our pure amusement. I said, if the first album goes and people like it, those doors are coming off, and we're just going to go, right, and now here we are. Oh. If it doesn't, and it was a lovely little idea, yes. but I thought, if this goes... People better get ready because there's an awful lot of stuff in my head. And Mick was saying, to me, "Why can't we just write a love song? You know, why don't we just write?" A... No, no, I will write a song about the Mad Hatter's tea party and, and a scarecrow on a on a, a muddy bank. You know, and he's like, "Oh, I'm mad." You know, but so when Scarecrow came around to doing it, we had so much confidence, um, and I was very confident in the material that half was already written, in the actual fact. And I thought, well, I've got a band here that can do anything. There's nothing they can't do. It's mm. not like, oh, can't do that. Yeah. We we can do stuff like Queen and ELO yeah. and Supertramp because they're yeah. that good. I'm not being funny, but they're no, brilliant, no, brilliant, no. brilliant players. You know. yeah. So if if we write it, we can we can do it. So it gave me the opportunity of Mick to go, right, if we can go that far with Mr. Hartake and Too Many Gods and Last Man Standing and Man in the Moon, etc., I want to make it now turbocharged to make it really like Queen did when they went from queen one to queen two yeah. and so Scarecrow turned out to be like that and again it was like a 40 minute journey through a certain order of songs that have to have a thread and there's a lot more to it if you dig deep, deep enough so the albums are designed to be played in their entirety they're not mm. designed to be shuffled about and picked out they're, they're a, it's a body of music mm. that makes sense so I was super confident, and as soon as we started recording it, I thought this could be really special. If we really have the time and the the capabilities, and everybody's on the money, you know, we can yeah. do it, and we did. Then everyone played out at the, the top of their hats with it, and then at the end of it, we just sat back and went, "How hey, are you going to do album three?" I said, "We'll do it." Yeah. Now the next one will be out um, right. sheer heart attack, or whatever. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's it's. I'm loving it because they'll have got an awful lot of music that I've banked up for donkey's years, which I didn't have a vehicle to do it, but I always wanted to do this for a long, long time ago. You know, through the AOR thing that I got associated with, Mm -hmm. deep down I was still always after doing an album like Yellow Brick Road or Night of the Opera or Out of the Blue, you know, I never really wanted to try and rewrite Escape because right. you know, there's yeah. 150 million bands in America <laughs> trying try yeah. to do it badly, because you know, yeah. there's only one journey. Yeah. And, so I, but, and also with the AOR structure, you've got a very small confines to make it sound like AOR, and I wanted melodies that come from the Carpenters and Gladys Knight and Pilot and John Miles and that kind of stuff. And when you go down those avenues, you're using chords and arrangements that don't fit into AOR, they mm. fit into just bloody good songs Mm. and that's all we're trying to do is good songs with an awful lot of power behind them
0: and 2 minutes 59 then is that a did you have a backlash from radio stations about some of the early songs or was it just a like
1: I used to have a thing yeah I mean not really I mean the, the song started off as a song called Music Man right? and it was a song about a chap that whose job it was was just to write songs in Timpan Alley right. every day with no thought or rhyme or reason. He just had to write songs, and yeah. he was a music man. Then up he gets every day and writes a song about whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was about four and a half minutes long, and it was a it was a good tune. But it just it was a bit. It would have been the 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 filler on the album, and I do not want to write a filler yeah. ever. So we sat down one day, and I just started talking about how an old um, publisher of mine was adamant that I could never have a key change in a song and don't have a breakdown after the guitar solo, right. if you get a guitar solo, go straight to the outro course and fade it. It's got to be that, because I'm like, you're taking away the integrity of what I'm trying to achieve within this nugget of yeah. music. And I don't like being told, you can't have a key. I said, key changes work if they're done properly and not just stuck on the end. Yeah. Anyway, me and Mick started talking about it. I said, everything's got to be bloody under three minutes, and otherwise they're going to fade it out. And, and he went... I said, why don't we write a song called 259? <laughs> so we sat down, we chopped this song that we had, scrapped the thing, kept the essence of the music Got rid of band. the code of the guitar yeah. solo. <laughs> yeah, no code, no solo, short intro, diddle, diddle, diddle. But we still got an intro. Um, a half course, you know, a, mid, a really nice little short mid late yeah. that was a lot longer originally. That was very hard to chop that down. I found that like giving away some kids because <laughs> you know, it was a really, it's a great mid late, that really went somewhere on the original. Right. And it had a great solo with its acoustic thing, and I thought, oh, but I'll probably nick it and use it again. Oof. And we got this song down, and I said, we've got to get it to 259. And we had it, and went, ah, oh, it's 310. What else we chop out? I went, there's nothing else to chop out. And, we, and I said, we can't vary speed it, that, that's cheating. Yeah. And by pure fluke, we worked out if we just took this one little bit of reintro out and cut the reverb dead, so it goes, in your, yeah. boom, rather than yeah. get that decay, which yeah. gives you the extra three seconds, yeah. boom, and he went, oh my God, it's 2.59. And it was absolute... Was two <laughs> <laughs> and it became this cheeky little song that kept getting left off the mixing process, and we kept... You know, in the studio, he's doing all the big Scarecrow stuff. And every now and again, we go, we've got to get 259 finished. And then one day, we just all really got into it. And Paul came down and sang this lyric. And Andy got this really lovely little moog pattern that we put on the second chorus. Mm. I went, do you know what? This is the cheeky one. This is going to be the cheeky one on the album. And it has become yeah, yeah. Quite, quite a big number. Yeah. So it was, um, I found that a real big accomplishment to get that. Thought and that idea yeah, it's into of thoughtful to, to, to yeah, pop, uh, very. It's, it's like a jellyfish thing when you can have that lovely little kind of cheeky lyric and idea, and you can actually nugget it and get it exactly how you want it. Yeah. And that's one of the songs that I got spot on with with Mick and and the guys all putting their little flavors Thanks. in there. I thought it's, it's a really good song.
0: You just announced that uh, you've got a live album coming out for for next year. Yeah, I cute. wondered if that was a to give you a bit of time to to come back together because this year has been so busy with a three back to back tour a sort of thing and you know, regroup yeah. and um,
1: start well th- it's all what they're on yeah It went a bit off of kilter because what, the album was going to come out in May after the Thunder tour. A couple of little things happened with a record label and we got sort of delayed slightly. And the trouble is the minute you get towards June, July, you're into summer, it gets very awkward to release an album. Mm. So we decided with and then, of course, our tour that we wanted to do wasn't quite right because we were leaving it later, later So everything got shunted along, and actually we lost about three months worth of traction there, I think. So we had to get the tour sorted, get the album sorted for the back end of August, which still gave all the critics time to get the album. And I was also very conscious of it not going near October when people tend to stop using albums for the album of the year round. Right, okay. Which we did with too many gods. It came out too late to get into the right. classic rock rundowns right. and stuff. I wanted our album to get featured if it was good enough, obviously. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so with the with the the live album we recorded on the Thunder Tour at the Motor Point in Cardiff mm. and it just came out brilliant. So we listened back to it and we thought we could do something with this. And also we do want a lot, we want to put out a lot of products with reason and we said originally we was going to do Scarecrow and a deluxe edition with a live album with it but that would be swizzing the people that had already bought it so we went oh sod it we'll do it as a standalone live album, blue vinyl, make it a really nice package you know so it rather than having the second album into a gatefold that's mm. already out there you know mm. which was the original plan right so um, we all sort of agreed that we'd do it as a, a standalone live album we call it Cats Alive like Peter Frampton Comes Alive so I thought why do we get a cat with the Peter Frampton wig on with the <laughs> Black Les Paul and mimic the cover but I think people would, that was a bridge too far well. so so and it, it, we did it purely because so many people were saying how great we were live and how they really enjoyed it we thought well oh, give them a live album nowadays you don't have to do five albums in a live album you know I think you can just put good product out mm-hmm. if people want it, and there's definitely a demand for it. And it will, it will, it won't buy us time because I don't need time to do the next album. I've, right. already, I've already written it. On. Yeah, we're already right. writing it now. So, um, myself and Mick have already demoed, and we've already got it totally planned out. <laughs> so be warned, people! Scarecrow is.
0: <laughs> Scarecrow's That's just playing at it. Playing <laughs> at it. We're
1: going to make that one sound like the Ramones. <laughs> <laughs> But it's so we've got a very big plan for the next album right. that to be honest, I've had in the back of my mind for quite a while. I've always wanted to do an album right. that will be like what hopefully will be. Right. When we get round to recording that and therefore scheduling when it will come out, I don't know. So um Cats Alive will just keep the momentum going until we sure. get some more dates next year. Okay. And hopefully some festivals and um just keep the thing out there. I mean Ooh. the pre orders are on on it are flying out, Excellent. so it's you know, people want stuff. You know, you know. I don't think two years per album is any, is good. You know, if you're any good, you should write an album a year. Which is what they used to do, of course. Yeah, yeah, you know, every eight months, yeah, you, yeah absolutely. Kiss, yeah, yeah. You know, tour for four, record for eight, and bring out the best four yeah. albums of your career. I mean, I've always been intrigued and fascinated by that block of nineteen seventy four to seventy eight, where all the killer rock bands in this country wrote their best stuff, mm. one album every eight months, of mm. recording and the tour. Yeah. I mean Christ knows how they did it, but I'm thinking you know i like, I like that challenge as well right so i want, I'd like to get a new studio album out as soon as possible
0: and a headline tour will we see that next year if
1: we can if we can knock it up to the to a theater level where we can get into a bit of production right and again, I think people. We're making rod for our own back. I think people expect to see Cats in Space with the production. I don't think they, they really want to see it in little clubs of us all crammed together. Much as the songs transgress and everyone loves it, we want the cat helmet up there. We want the lights. We want to be able to put these big songs across in a flamboyant way, like mm. we're getting to do with Quo every night. Right. I mean, we've got an amazing light show with Quo. And the audience just look upon it like, wow, You know, we're not really a support band in yeah. many ways because we can project that well. And our music does work well like that. So, yeah, definitely want to do some headline dates. If the people buy the tickets, we can do it, because it's a costly business, as you know. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just play as much as we can to support Scarecrow okay. whilst we do the next one. Thank you so much, sir. Great, you, great time.